Good morning. Thank you for that, Blake. Um, first, I just want to congratulate everybody for, for coming out. It's you know July 4th weekend, otherwise known as uh, Daytona Week uh, for Toombs County or Daytona Month. So I appreciate it. It's an exciting time um, in our church. Um, and uh, Blake said, if you don't know me, my name's Dustin. I've been a heart and soul member here for, for over, over five years. Honored to serve in multiple capacities um, uh, on the elder team. I call it, you know, I call it elder board. Elder team of, of men whose heart is, um, is, is in the right direction. It's in pointing it toward Jesus. Um, care team, prayer team. Get to work with a lot of uh, connect group leaders um, that I saw this morning. Spectacular group of people um, on the mission for God. And then I'm um, just thankful my son's back there working lights. Uh, my wife, Kristen, she sings on the, uh, on the praise team. That's what I'm most known for. You're Dustin. That's your wife sings, right? Yeah, that's right. She, she's the talent of the, of the organization. Um, as far as uh, a care team request, prayer team request, is that there's going to be an opportunity for prayer uh, later in the church service. And I wanted to put this out at the beginning. Um, some folks don't, during that time, they forget. We say, if you want prayer, this is not raising your hand. We can't see you. So, you know, if you were in school, raise your hand. What the teacher wants you doing? This, so we can see you. Um, that, and that's for my prayer and care team crew that's there this morning. They're probably all. Thank you very much. Um, getting ready for uh, for the uh, the message today. Uh, I got the uh, the confidence of my family, and uh, I got to speak last year on, on Father's Day. And as I'm I'm working through my notes, and if you got kids, especially if it's a 13 year old. They say, hey, Dad, what you working on? Working on a message for, for Sunday. Oh, you mean like you did last year? Yeah, like I did last year. You're not going to get emotional again, are you? You're not going to get up there and, you know, lose it or anything. And I said, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. So today, we're going to jump into uh, uh, John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. I'm, I'm going to speak out of the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible. If you've got a, a Tony Evans study Bible... All my Tony Evans study Bible people, yeah, um, love that guy. And um, we're going to be in, in John chapter 12. Uh, what I found interesting as far as preparing for the, uh, for the message today was all the books of John that we've been through so far was Jesus' first three years of ministry. Then the rest of the book of John is him going to the cross and dying for our sins. So it takes up the, the other half. So that's where we're at. Um, I want to say a prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this appointed time here today, Lord Jesus. Just thank you, Lord, for just let me uh, be an instrument, Lord. Let me decrease that you might increase. Lord, open ears, open eyes, open hearts, Lord, and Lord, especially those that do not know you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving already. And Lord, uh, for those of us uh, that are walk with you, Lord, uh, let us take this lesson and let us... Uh, shine more before you, Lord, that others may see you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so here we go. Now, last week, uh, Brother Steve, I think I saw him, crushed it, talked about Lazarus, Lazarus' resurrection. So this is, um, they're giving a, uh, a dinner, almost a celebration dinner for Lazarus, but also because Jesus has come to town. So, all right, so here we go. We'll start verse 1. Now, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, Passover. Some folks may not all know what Passover is. Passover is the 
Jewish celebration of where when they were slaves in Egypt, um, the final plague there was they had to take a unblemished lamb and take the blood and put it over their doorpost so that would pass over and not kill their firstborn. And Bethany is two miles outside of Jerusalem. So I like to set the stage for that. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Um, Martha was always serving. Um, previous account in Luke, uh, Martha and Mary, who was the one doing all the running around? It was Martha. And then just think about this. Lazarus is reclining at the table. Where had he been just a few days back? He was in grave clothes. How about that? You know, now he's eating. So if anybody didn't believe that that was not a resurrection, you know, there he is. He was once dead and now he's alive. Um, then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair so that the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. So I said, well, good for Mary, because if you can look at me, I can't wipe anybody's feet with my hair. So <laughs> congratulations to Mary. <laughs> then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So one denarii is a day's wages. So if you can do the math, 300 denarii, almost a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. John just put it straight out there, didn't he? He was in charge of the money bag and was still part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So there Jesus reminded them of the brevity that he has with them. And then he also mentioned that Mary saved it. So was there the possibility that it was already revealed to her about what was going to happen? It's not known, but it's just curious to think that. Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. Um, one mention about the crowd. Um, these are hollow and superficial individuals, and they're the same ones that will be singing Hosanna as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and then they'll just to turn around to scream, crucify him at the end. So they weren't looking for a savior. They really wanted to see a spectacle. So here's some free advice, and I wanted to tell this to the young people. Don't follow the crowd. You'll probably hear your parents say that already. This is coming from me, too. And there are some that have graduated, and some of my family that's graduated, and I'll have students come to the office, and I'll say, do not go to college to find yourself. Know who you are before you get there, because they're going to try to tell you what you are and what you believe. So put your anchor in the Word. That was free advice. We didn't charge anything extra. We took up offering before this message. So there you go. All right. And parents, you're welcome. <clears throat> but the chief priest had decided, verse 10, the chief priest had decided to kill Lazarus also because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. So it wasn't enough that Lazarus died. They're trying to kill him. So what's a good way to get rid of uh, um, something that you don't want people to use to believe in Jesus? Get rid of the evidence. So they were so deep in their pride and in their sin that they wanted to kill a miracle that Jesus had created. Uh, so that's the verses. And uh, what I want to do is step back and look at the people in the room 
and learn from the six people. So there's two titles to this, but the main title is The Best Connect Group Ever. One Savior, Five Responses. So some people, especially first-time guests, say, what is a connect group? Well, I'll give you the canned answer. Uh, a group of believers or people who meet weekly do life together, encourage, challenge, and focus on growing their, rela growing their relationship with Jesus. So the main thing that I want to encourage people to is that if you're not in a connect group, please do so. There are so many of them out there. Don't do life alone. I, I know I, you hear that from the stage a lot, but I'm living proof. Didn't want to go to a connect group. Came to church. I just want to sit in the pew. Don't just want to come Sunday, sing a song, hear the sermon, go home. But when you can get into a group of like-minded believers and encourage one another and do life together because crisis is going to happen, and you know it will, you have a group that can rally behind you. I mean, there's, there's proof of that already this week where someone had, I'll just say a crisis, and people stepped up to meet that need not only financially, spiritually, and physically. And you just can't get that anywhere else. And um, that's, I'm living proof of that. All right, so let's go through the responses, the best connect group ever. So number one, Simon the leper was hosting. So you didn't hear Simon the leper when I read the passage. That's true for those that were listening. So in Matthew 26 and, and Mark 14, which is uh, similar uh, gospels of this story, who was this guy? He was the one that was actually doing the hosting. So if you know anything about leprosy, and you may not, it is a terrible, contagious skin disease that can cause deformity. Um, I'm personally thankful that I have not run into that uh, uh, in the medical field, um, but it renders you to being an outcast in biblical times. So you could, not, you could not eat at dinner with somewhere. You could not go to social events. You could not go to the tabernacle. You couldn't do anything. A lot of them were committed to being beggars and sat outside the, the city gates and, and, and say unclean before they, they walked in anywhere. So how was he able to be at this celebration dinner? He was a former leper. So he was healed of his leprosy. And so he was using his gratitude uh, and hospitality as a spiritual gift to Jesus to host this party. So um, Simon the leper, that was, that was the first one in the room. That was his response. Uh, number two, Martha was serving. So verse two, so they gave a dinner for him. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with them. Uh, Martha sometimes gets a bad rap. So I'm going to give, I'm going to brag on her a little bit. If you can remember from before, uh, in the in the Gospel of Luke, Martha's going around doing all the serving, and she gets aggravated with her her sister Mary, who's listening to Jesus and sitting at his feet and says, Jesus, are you going to say something to my lazy sister? You know, I'm the one running around. Can't you see that I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything? And he had encourages her to says, actually, Mary is, is doing the better thing. She's sitting and spending time with Jesus. But she's a servant. So we love, uh, you can't have this dinner without her. You can't because she's the one that's, that's doing all the running around. So Simon had to be hosting. Martha had to be um, serving. And, and the same can be for the church. I was very encouraged as I was outside seeing people come in, all those uh, uh, blue shirts coming in, all those orange shirts coming in, 
uh, people working the sound. I'm telling you, this, the church cannot go on without people serving. And um, it's a common phrase around here that saved people serve, and that's true. It, it won't, what's inside of you will come out of you and, and activate you. And I tell you, you will not feel any better than when you serve someone, especially when you know that they're not able to give you anything back, and that's true service, and I love it. Um, I, I count it to, if, if no one were to be able, to, if none of the volunteers are so, show up, if I were just to step into Billy's place or to step into Blake's place and go, hey, they get a phone call, just going to be you today. Nobody's coming. So, and I'm, and I'm looking at some of my colleagues from work right here, and I'm looking at Lee Arnold, and, and if you go, he got a phone call that said, hey, nobody in your team showing up today. It's just going to be you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not a one-man wrecking crew. So I'm appreciative, uh, appreciated for that. Um, and even in, in, in 1 Peter 4, 9 through 10, talks about serving. Be hospitable with one another. And here's a big one. Uh, if you have children, without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very, very grace of God. And I stole a line from Blake, and I stole a few, but... If you listen to some of his service, he will say, we don't get to serve. No, we don't have to serve. We get to serve. So getting the right the mindset and knowing it, it's a gift that you're laying down before the Lord, it, it, it will change you. So I encourage you um, to do that. So go to that tent, sign up. Uh, Galatians 5.13, talking about serving. For you were called to be free brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. So be genuine. You know, who wants to go anywhere uh, and have someone just sitting there like this? Hello. Good morning. No, we don't want that. Um, and if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you want to put a smile on your face and say hello and glad to meet you. Um, and that's true. So we can learn from Martha with her servant's heart, but then we can also learn that serving can be a great thing, but don't let it be the only thing. Hey, I showed up, I checked this box, did what I was supposed to do, and then I went home. Be sure that you're spending time with the Lord before you get here, before you start your day. That's what I encourage, that's what I try to do and encourage people to do before, because when you get to work, I mean, you get, it's work. And then when you get home, you're just dried out. And then that's, if, uh, if you have a household, that's your second job. Is, is getting home. So we can learn from Martha, Martha. We can learn from Simon through hosting, Martha through serving. And the fruit of Martha's serving was others experiencing Jesus. Um, so if you just picture the room, Lazarus got to recline at the table with Jesus. Why so? He wasn't up having to do anything. He was actually getting to spend time with Jesus because of Martha. Mary got to anoint the feet of Jesus. How so? Because Martha was serving. And then other Jews got to be, come to believe in Jesus because they had that dinner there, and it wouldn't have happened without someone hosting and without someone serving. So if, you're, if that's in your mind and, and in your heart, and it should be, so what should be your next step when it comes to serving Jesus? You know, answer that question today, or answer right now. Write it down in your notes, and, um, and you just find out what the Lord's speaking to you. Simon hosting, Mary serving, excuse me, Martha was serving, and then Mary was worshiping. So verse 3, Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, 
and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair so the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Now, what I wrote out next to that was, isn't that just like true worship? Like this morning, I'll just use that as, uh, as an example. My parents were worship leaders for decades, and actually a shout-out to them. It's their 52nd wedding anniversary today, so congratulations to them. Yep. So I got to see a great example of a godly marriage. I was spoiled by seeing that, but true worship just fills the room. So if you can imagine that expensive perfume, and this is not anything like if you're my age, I'm 44, the old English that's sitting on the counter in your dad's bathroom. This is not old English. This is the expensive stuff, you know, a year's worth of salary. Um, she showed true in a humble posture and bowed down at the feet of Jesus. I mean, you can't get any lower than that. She's just showing her humility and her thankfulness. And it was a reference, a reverence to Jesus. So she was unashamed in that. And then her love was undeniable. Also, she used her hair to wipe uh, his feet. So it, during this study, Jewish women customarily did not lower their hair. And it was seen uh, as a woman's glory, and she laid that down before her feet because she was unashamed in her worship of him. So nard, expensive. You know, that's, a, that's an odd term for us. But like I said, it's the good stuff. It was a year's worth of wages. Um, there was a Jewish custom that she, the Jewish, Jesus said that she was preparing him for his burial. So a Jewish custom to, to wash the body, then wrap it, and then and put spices and oil and, and perfume on it. So um, other accounts said that she stored it in an alabaster jar. That was in Mark. Um, and then she also smashed the jar over his head. So there's other accounts of it, but it's the, she did the same thing. She anointed his body. And she gave him her best. So she used all that she had to worship and honor Jesus. Um, because we didn't hear Martha or Lazarus saying, why are you using all of our perfume? That was hers alone. There was no argument. That was Mary's. So she used all that she had, and she used the best to worship him. Um, Mark 14, 8 through 9. That's a, that's a sword drill. Anybody remember that? She had done what she could. She has done, Jesus said this, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. How true is that today? It's 2023. We're talking about her right now. So what she did for Jesus and her ministry goes on throughout eternity, and it's in God's word. And even in 1 Samuel 2.30, it said, those who honor me, I will honor. So I got to thinking about reading through that. Where, where else in the Bible have, we, have I seen others willing to sacrifice something valuable to God? So I won't be able to go through that whole story, um, but the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22 um, Isaac was the promised child of Abraham and Sarah. So if you can remember that, God tells Abraham, Abraham, and then he goes, yes, Lord, here I am. Um, that's a running joke at my house. The kids say, Dad, and I go, here I am. So I, I say that a lot. So take your only son, Isaac, go up to the mountain, and then sacrifice him. And so there's, you would, and I would say the next verse would be, Abraham pleaded with God and said, no, Lord, this is your promised son that you, you gave to me. How could you do that? We're not going to do that. You need to change your mind. 
no, his immediate response was he saddled that donkey with wood. He took Isaac and a couple of servants, and he headed to the mountain. So when they get to the mountain, Isaac questions him like I would. I'd be looking at that donkey, and I'd be looking at him going, hey, the fire is here and the wood's here, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And even tells the servants, we're going to go to the mountain and we're going to worship, and then we are going to come back. So Abraham's faith was so great that he knew either God was going to save Isaac or he was going to resurrect him after he was sacrificed. So what a powerful testimony, and that's in the Old Testament. And so that was with someone that's willing to sacrifice everything. Um, the other I thought about was worshiping in a manner that others would not approve of. In 2 Samuel 6, King David is welcoming in the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. So I can't remember how many steps they said that cart would go, and then they would sacrifice a bull and then just, and then just dance before the Lord. And so he's the king. Now, a lot, not everybody approved from that. He was in a linen ephod dancing before the Lord, and this was despised especially by his wife. But his, his return uh, con, um, reply to that was, um, this is before the Lord, and I will defy myself even more if we think it's defiled. So um, he said, I don't care. I'm going to worship the Lord just like Mary got down on her knees and used that expensive perfume and anointed Jesus' feet. So that just came to mind um, in the Old Testament. Next person in the room, Judas. So you might have a Judas in your connect group, and that's okay. <laughs> he needs to be there, or she. I won't come out, you know. So verses 4 through 6, Judas was objecting, and Judas was questioning. Then one of his disciples, Judas, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of it, of what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. So Judas will always be known as the man who betrayed Jesus. How would you like that tagline behind your name for the rest of your life in conjunction with Lazarus, who the man Jesus raised from the dead? And um, he was even uh, known or described as the devil in the Bible. So what was his goal um, of being with Jesus? So he was more of a fan. Um, he wanted money and power, um, and he was greedy. And the main thing was Judas didn't love Jesus. Judas loved Judas. What can I get from Jesus? How can I rub this genie lamp and, and get money and, and do what I want to do? And so... What did, I wanted to look at what does scripture say about possessions and money because that's a, always a hot topic. Um, you talk about um, getting in people's kitchen, talk about their money, and they'll, 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 their eyes will go up. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and, moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where the thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So as we said, Jesus's, uh, Judas's heart was not with Jesus, but his desire for money. And money is not inherently evil. I mean, we've had several giving campaigns around here, didn't we? Didn't we just take up an offering? If it was evil, then we wouldn't be 
collecting that. But it's the love of money. It's the worship of money. And we can definitely tell that Judas's, uh, his faith was in money and what he could do um, to steal from them. Um, and that's, uh, let's see, hold on. So that's what I want to say. So everybody beat down on Judas. And I was like, Judas, bad guy. Judas, bad guy. And he is. But if you look in Matthew 26, 8, even the disciples chimed in on degrading Mary. And that, that verse 8 says, when the disciples saw it, she was pouring the, the perfume on him, they were indignant. So they were like, this is just unjustified. Why are you doing this? Why this waste? So uh, even the disciples were not totally innocent in this ordeal, uh, as Matthew put it in, in his account. So um, I just wanted to pull that out because when you go through the Gospels and you read each one, it's just it's always Judas, Judas, Judas. But they were not seeing it. That's what that old saying, they didn't see the forest for the trees. So bottom line, Judas was never a dis true disciple, and he was the very de definition of a false convert, looking the part on the outside and no faith on the inside. Um, and we've discussed this in Connect Group before. What is truly inside you will come out of you. And one pastor put it this way, way before Judas betrayed Jesus with his hands is because way before that, he betrayed him with his heart. So his heart was not there. And I'm, I, can, I can give an example. This would be easy to see. I could tell everyone that I'm a major league baseball player. I can put on the best cleats there is. I can put on the best uniform there is and hat and get a bat and walk around and strut and talk about how good I am and then put me on the field with the Braves and see how I play. No, no, no. That's all talk. Can't back it up. That one would be easy to see. Who else was in the room? Lazarus. Lazarus was witnessing. Lazarus was resurrected. So go back to this verse 1 and 2 and then 9-11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus raised for the dead. There's his tagline forever. They gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving. Lazarus was one of the ones reclining at the table. Then a large crowd of Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but to see Lazarus, the one he raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. So as we said before, what was, what was Lazarus doing before? He was wrapped in grave clothes. Another connect group moment that was talked about last week, he couldn't unwrap those, so he had to get people to loose him. Jesus said, take those off. So you need people around you. If you get wrapped up in a, in a tight, get those grave clothes off of you. But I wonder what that dinner conversation was like. Can you imagine? You had a friend, even maybe you're a sibling. This was Mary and Martha's brother, died in the grave, back from the dead. Hey, man, uh, what'd you see? You know, where were you at? Was there a light? You know, what happened? Did you see our parents there? That was a, had to have been an interesting conversation, uh, to say the least. But how was he witnessing? He was a living witness for Jesus. So he was once dead, and now he's alive. That's a powerful testimony. And um, for many, because of that, many of the Jews were deserting them, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, because of that. And they hated him for it. They wanted to kill him. They wanted him to die again, put him in the tomb, and, and try to put guards there. That almost sounds familiar, doesn't it? So, but so will the world. I mean, the world will be, look at your witness for Christ. 
and not like it because it can actually it can expose the sin in their lives and so be a witness as so as christians are how does that apply to us today the answer is our sins are buried with christ and now we're resurrected forevermore just like lazarus it says it in romans 6 4 therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father so we too may walk in the newness of life. So what's that mean? Old things have passed away. So we don't want to put on those old grave clothes that had wrapped us in sin. That's gone. And in 2 Corinthians 5:17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So we don't do the things that we did before. There is evidence in my life, in your life that I have changed, and they're not merely words. Now, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. No way. There was only one perfect person, and that was Jesus. But that fruit in our life is a witness for others. Something's different about that person, especially if I've seen people, and I can't say that I've been through that, but they've been through re recovery or been through a hard time, and the world has got to them, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're saved, and the people around them go, they don't act the same. That is a different person, and that's the way it should be. 1 John 3, 6 says, Everyone who remains in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone who keeps on sinning has not seen him or known him. So if you are born again and Christ is living inside of you, yet you continue to sin, the Bible is calling that into question. But it's not saying that you don't sin some. You know what I mean? Because we're Christians. I mean, if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you've sinned over the last 40 years. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, Proverbs 26, 11 says, A dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. So as I said, we're not perfect. So dogs biblically, biblically was not a good thing. But I would say uh, dogs presently are a good thing. So that's a, that's, a, that's a pitch for the dogs. Go dogs. All right. And uh, in commentary, Lazarus also gives us a picture of life after death. So he was described as a picture of everyone who's a Christian. We find him after his death feasting in the presence of Jesus. So I work in the medical field. Um, I'm a physician assistant, been doing it for 21 years. And there's gonna, you're going to run into death of patients. You're going to run, run into death. So that's a part of life. But a great conversation I had with uh, a family of the patient of mine was we know that they're, they're no longer here, but that they're feasting in the presence of Jesus. And so that conversation, this, reading these verses reminded me of that, that this was just a step. Like that song we sang this morning, it's in a, step, a doorway into everlasting life. And a lot of people will look at that strangely, but that is the peace that goes beyond understanding that's in the Bible, is that that loved one's not with us, but um, God is not a liar. So, and Jesus is not a liar. They've prepared a place for us, and so that person will be there. And so that's our destiny. Death holds no finality for us, but simply an appetizer for um, the feast with Jesus. And I love Billy Graham. I've read several of his books, and this was one thing he said about his upcoming death, which now he's passed away, that someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. But he said, don't you believe a word of it. I shall, be, I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone 
into the presence of God. And if you read through Paul's writings, even he wanted to say, I, I, he yearned to be in heaven, but then he knew he had work to do on earth. Now, last but not least, who's in the room that we haven't spoke about yet? Jesus, last but not least. But verse 11, because he, Lazarus, was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. So Jesus was in Bethany before the Passover to become the final Passover sacrifice. When I read that, that really just hit me. So if you read through the Old Testament, and you should, because it will really give you a great appreciation of where we're at now in this new covenant, is that they had to sacrifice animals. You had to have priests. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. Um, that's in Hebrews 9.22. So he's the, he became the perfect Passover lamb to ratify the new covenant. So at the crucifixion, the veil was torn. So that veil between the holy place and the, and the holy of holies that only the high priest could go once a year, that veil is torn. We can step into that now um, through what Jesus did for us. Amen. Um, John 14.6. I am the way, Jesus said this, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's been said from here, what's some of the most important things about Jesus is what he said about himself. So one of the big things in that line was no one comes to the Father. So he's the per perfect Passover lamb, and salvation comes through him alone. Now, that flies into the face of society today because it does not accept God's word. And the message is that there's many roads to heaven. And that's not true. Um, narrow is the way to salvation, and wide, wide is the one to destruction. Um, and that's one of the big differences between religion and relationship. And I don't know if everyone may not recognize the name of this group that I'm going to name, but... I got the opportunity to attend a Dude Perfect. Anybody know who Dude Perfect is? Anybody got young kids? I see some hands. All right. Great show. Go see them. And they are a great group of Christian men. So at the very end of that show, after all the sports and the competition, they invited everyone to stay. And they shared the gospel. And it was powerful. And they said, listen, religion you have to climb that mountain to god but jesus paved the way to salvation and he's the only way and i really appreciate that and they're going all over the country doing that that's that's a blessing so i'm gonna close out today with recapping today's message of the best connect group ever remember if you're not in one you're gonna go get one today simon was hosting mary was serving Martha was serving, excuse me, and Mary was worshiping. But that's all forms of worship. People are using their time and their talents, and they're using it for God. So to me, that's, that's all forms of worship and ministry. So I encourage, what did they show us? Use the best that you have and use it for Jesus, like that expensive perfume. And a question that I had for myself, what am I pouring out? for the worship and honor of Jesus. What's inside of me? All of you, everybody in this room has a talent. 
you have a gift use that for the kingdom of God don't sit on the sidelines get in the game and is Jesus getting my best or is he just getting the rest do I just say the blessing over my meal show up on Sunday and just pass through life let's give him our best let's get that expensive perfume and pour it out whatever that may be um Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. So I know there's a specific point in the Bible where someone goes up and, and gives a small amount or gives a, a larger amount and lets everybody see it. And then someone gives a smaller amount and nobody sees it. And Jesus says, that person gave more than anyone. Do it not for yourself. Do it for someone else. And you'll be blessed for it. If you just want the praise of men, that's the praise that you'll get. But what I want is the, the praise and honor and blessings that come from above. Those are the ones that we just learned that will not rot or decay. All right. Lazarus. Lazarus was witnessing. And others were coming to faith because of that. So a question to ask myself is can people look at my life and see Jesus? Is there fruit there? Can people actually look at Dustin Carter and go, okay, I know what he does, I know where he's from, and I know his family, he's a real nice guy. But does, do people see Jesus in me? I want them to say yes. I want them to look and go, that man walks with God. And that real relationship with Jesus is not superficial. And if people can't see that, then ask yourself the question, why? Why? And it's not simply just saying a prayer and giving lip service to Jesus. It's living on mission. It's, it's giving your all for him because he gave his all for us. Judas, questioning and objecting. He was. What I found interesting also in the reading and in researching for this message was this is the same man who scolded Mary for wasting a year's wages of perfume on Jesus. And then what did he do not long after that? Sold him for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver is four months wages. Cheap sold out the Lord and Savior for four months of wages. Jesus' worth is immeasurable. Immeasurable. So what am I selling Jesus for? That was my question. I love Kenny Grant. Y'all should look him up on YouTube. Great preacher. Because I'm just going to do a little talking and then just let y'all listen. I'm going to talk to myself. Preach to myself. Is that what am I selling Jesus for? Am I, am I selling Jesus for entertainment? Am I selling Jesus for a hobby? What, what are my 30 pieces of silver that I'm putting down in place of Jesus? I tell you what, that rocked me. Because there's a lot of things that I, I love to do, but this really put it in perspective for me. That I don't need to do that because what's going to happen to those things? Those are going to burn up. That's not what lasts. I love Tony Evans, as I said. Go listen to his podcast too. Great. 
is that sometimes, and this one hit me, we're too busy concentrating on our kids making the team and not concentrating on them making the kingdom. So now that stomped all over me because what am I doing with my son even now? Practicing throwing the ball. We're hitting ground balls. We're trying to get ready. I know ball is huge, especially around here. And I want my son to love baseball. I want him to be a better player and enjoy it. But I do not need to make baseball 30 pieces of silver in my family's life. So that really spoke to me. And Reverend Ronnie Smith, who did a talk for us one time that said, Baal is the new Baal. And if you don't know who Baal is, the pagan god, you do not need to make it God. And it's okay. I love it. You can spend time with your family, have fun. I love athletics. You can learn a lot from athletics. I love to go to Georgia football games. That's, that's a parent. But I don't need to let that replace the love of that being the love for God. So here we are. Jesus is still saving. He was saving, and he is saving, even now. So there was one Savior, Jesus, and five responses. So what will your response be today? Do you even know him? We talk about next steps all the time around here. What's your next step? I talked about it today. What's your next step in serving? But before you take a next step, you have to take the first step. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, that's the opportunity. That's the thing you need to do first. It's not cleaning up your life. I need to go get better. I need to be a better person. I need to be a better whatever. No. This is the foundation. Come to me, is what he says. He doesn't say, go get better, do better, and then you can come to me. That's the religion. And that's really hard to get by, you know, as a human. I can't approach a holy God. I can't approach my Savior the way that I am. Guess what? He already knows it. He already knows it. In another reading in Luke, which is very similar to this one, but it's different, it talks about a woman of sin that was breaking perfume on Jesus. And it's quite interesting that the person hosting the dinner is Simon the Pharisee. And so Simon says, if he knew he was touching his feet, he would not let her do that. And so Jesus read his thoughts as he can because he's God and said, you know, this, this woman has shown more gratitude and toward me than you ever will because of who has more gratitude, those who have had small amount of sins forgiven or a large amount of sins forgiven. And he answered him, the large amount. And he said, you would be correct. He corrected him right there on the spot. So if you do not know the risen Savior, if he's not your Lord and Savior, I want that opportunity to be today. Don't have to wait till tomorrow. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Bow your heads, please. And if you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not known of him, 
but a risen Savior that you've asked into your life. We want to pray for you today. If that's you today, don't hold your hand up sideways. Don't hold it up to your shoulder. The Holy Spirit's moving, and you feel that. I want you to raise your hand high where we can pray for you today. If that's you, hold it high. I'll give you just a minute. the rest of us Christian friends what's our next step what do we what are we doing for the Lord let's examine ourselves today and let's be sure that we're not selling out Jesus for 40 pieces of silver Lord go with us today be with us Lord let us let us honor you Lord serve you worship you Lord let us not doubt you and let others look into us and see that you're alive in us that the kingdom may be furthered